Listeners, start your engines. Franchise Detours, episode 12. Rob here. You can find more episodes of this show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and other podcatchers, as well as crookedtable.com. If you can give us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts or now Spotify, we really appreciate it. This is a continuation of our Evil Dead mega series where we're going through all four films in this franchise. It's iconic horror franchise. This is the one that everyone voted for when I did a Twitter poll a while back. So we're continuing on the mega series right here. I have to imagine a lot of those votes came from wanting to hear us talk about this film, 1987's Evil Dead 2. We have a great guest lined up. David Rosen from Piecing It Together is on this episode. Famously a huge Evil Dead fan. Brings it up on his show all the time. So it was an honor to sit down with him to talk about this film. That's uh, that's what we're coming from for Evil Dead 2. So let's listen to a little bit of the trailer and then jump into our conversation with David Rosen about Evil Dead 2. In this quiet forest, in this cozy cabin, something happened. Something so frightening. Something so deadly. Something so evil. Afraid it would never happen again. Now, from the creator of Evil Dead, comes Evil Dead 2. Welcome to Franchise Detours, where we believe no movie series travels in a straight line. This episode, we're continuing with our Evil Dead mega series, talking about 1987's Evil Dead 2. And of course, to talk about this movie, I had to bring on David Rosen of the Piecing It Together podcast. Welcome back to the show. Yeah, thanks so much for having me to talk about one of my favorites. So, so you were so renowned for your love of this movie that I, I was messaging the Lady Juan, friend of the uh-huh. show past and future guests, et cetera, about, hey, I know we, we need to get you on the show at some point soon. I have I have the Evil Deads coming up. I don't know if you're interested in that. And she was like, did you get David Rosen on? And I was like, <laughs> yes, he's already on board for Evil Dead 2 of our coverage. She's like, good, that's going to be awesome. I'm like, yeah. That's awesome. So, <laughs> yeah. My, my friends make fun of me because I'm always trying to use Evil Dead as a puzzle piece on like every movie. It could be like some <laughs> animated kids movie. I'm like, well, it was like Evil Dead in this way. Yeah. 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 No, Totally. <laughs> So tell people first who you are about your show, and then and we'll get to the movie at hand. Sure, yeah. Well, uh, for anyone who has not listened to Piecing It Together before, I'm Piecing It Together, a guest and I, we take a look at a new movie through the lens of what movies might have inspired it. And so we come to the conversation with a bunch of what we call puzzle pieces. And those are other movies that we think either are a straight up inspiration or maybe something about it reminds us of the movie that we are covering in some way, whether it's filmmaking or themes or what the movie's trying to say or what it's trying to do. And we just go back and forth having that conversation and bringing up a big list of great movies along the way of talking about the movie we're covering and uh, you have been on it before and I'd love to get you back one of these days and it's a fun show. We're about to hit episode 200. Yeah. Wow. 200 episodes. That's awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. 
So have you covered any of the Evil Deads at any point? I know you were also doing the, what is it, Breaking It Apart? I actually toyed with the idea of making episode 200 like a special Evil Dead thing, but I'm not going to have time for it. The The closest I've gotten, aside from, like I said, like shoehorning in Evil Dead as a puzzle piece as many times as humanly possible, I, we, we did do an episode on an Evil Dead documentary called Invaluable, which is more specifically about Tom Sullivan and the special effects of that era, which, of course, is a big part of the Evil Dead series. But yeah, that, that was a fun episode, and I got to have the director of that documentary on which was uh yeah it was fun to talk about and dig into all that stuff so what is your what is your history with this franchise that you're so renowned for your love of it <laughs> when, when were you first exposed to the evil dead movies and uh, and what was your how what has your experience been how did how did you how did evil dead 2 become one of your favorite movies essentially so i started with Army of Darkness. My dad, for whatever reason, I don't think he realized that it was part of this series, but he showed me that there's this movie called Army of Darkness. It looks really fun and there's armies of skeletons and all that fun stuff in it. And it's supposed to be really funny and gory and over the top and all that. We went and saw it and I just absolutely thought it was just the best. Like it was immediately <laughs> one of my favorite movies ever. And what was I... I I'm guessing I was 12 at the time, 12 or 13. I have to look up the release date. But anyway, I think it was 92, uh, so I feel like. 92. That's what I was thinking. So, yeah, I would have been yeah. 12 at the time. And 12 is the perfect age to experience Army of Darkness. Uh, 100%. Yeah. Yeah. It's just the coolest thing in the world at that point. And I, I don't know. Even when I was watching it, because that's pre-internet days and everything, and even though there's the prologue at the beginning, which is showing you what happened in Evil Dead 2, I don't know that I even realized, oh, this isn't just something they made up just for this movie. I don't know that I really realized it was part three of a series. And then at some point, I, I think I was reading a review, maybe, possibly Entertainment Weekly. I used to read a lot of Entertainment Weekly back then. But yeah, I found out that it was number three in a series, and... For some reason, I didn't go back to Evil Dead 1 first. I went completely backwards. I went to Evil Dead 2 and then finally got to Evil Dead 1. But yeah, Evil Dead 2 immediately on first watch was already just the, the ultimate. It is my favorite of the series. Spoiler alert, I'm sure we'll be doing some ranking later at some point. But it, it's it's just the best. It is one of my probably top three favorite movies of all time. And it's just, it's perfect. And I love the first one as well. I I love the remake. I love the TV show. I, I'm, I'm just a big Evil Dead fan all around. Yeah, the last mega series we did on this show was the Child's Play Chucky series, which mm -hmm. is a very different than this franchise, but shares this weird evolution where every movie is obviously connected. Well, Evil Dead, the remake, is it's questionable whether that's connected or not. Everything is feels distinct in its own way. Like in this movie, this is the bridge between what is supposed to be, in my eyes at least, supposed to be more serious horror in the first one and mm -hmm. what is like slapstick comedy in the third one. And this is like the transition point. Maybe that's part of why it feels like it crystallizes the, the story in the most perfect way. Exactly. I think that this is where it, they did exactly what it was always meant to be. Whereas the first one, like you said, it's more meant to be a straight horror. Everything since has been straight comedy pretty much. And this one just really nails that that particular tone that the series overall is always waffling back and forth between. 
Yeah. And I, and I, I was, I was a kid as well when army of darkness came out and I don't think I saw it when it first came out. Cause, but it was, I remember being up North at my aunt's house and they rented it cause she was really into that thing. And they mm. realized very quickly it wasn't appropriate for then nine-year-old Rob. So, <laughs> so, but that was the first one I was familiar with. And I think like you, I think I did go army of darkness, evil Dead two evil dead. Just nice. it's it's because they, they work independently. Oh, yeah. And that was actually my my first question. Do you think you really even need to have seen the original to see this one? Does it it lightly retcons the story anyway? Right. And that's something that then continues in Army of Darkness in in retconning some of what happened in, in the lead up at the end of Evil Dead 2. But yeah, I, I don't think it's really 100% necessary, except for the fact that the first Evil Dead is just an amazing movie in its own right. It's just one of the best like low budget cabin in the woods horror movies ever, really. And so it deserves to be seen. But as far as like if you're trying to catch up on what the Evil Dead series is. I think it's more of like some something you should check out out of curiosity, but the story, it's all there in Evil Dead 2 and then continues from there. Yeah, it's it's weird because the the original Evil Dead, the Evil Dead, it has a it's basically a there was a short film before that called Within the Woods that was mm-hmm. a proof of concept that then was expanded to the Evil Dead. And then it feels like Evil Dead 2 kind of treats the first movie like a proof of concept for this film in a way. It's Sam Raimi, who obviously directed all of these things that we're talking about. It feels like he's constantly like doing new drafts of what this story could be. And this is the place where he ended up stopping and then Army of Darkness progresses from there, at least. Sure. Uh, So I I find that interesting. That's interesting as well about it, that it's just it's this is this is where I feel like he was most happy with the result. Yeah, and I I think also to a degree, Army of Darkness is still relatively low budget, but it is the first time he had some money and some studio support and all that stuff. So I think maybe a little bit of that just trying shit changes once you get to that level of filmmaking. Yeah, and and there's a lot of there's a lot of little references or like the Easter eggs and things like that. I feel like that echo throughout in the first movie. I think uh, somebody gets stabbed in the back with a hand, Mm -hmm. and then. In this one, obviously, spoilers, Ash's hand takes Annie out at the, towards the end of the film. What I what I really like about this movie is that it still has some of that scrappy charm of the first one. Like you yeah. were saying, Army of Darkness does feel the closest to a polished studio movie, if, even though it's not really. It still has right. some of that. But but this is the, the, the last time we see Bruce Campbell in this cabin, at least until Ash versus Evil Dead. And, and it, it does, it, it really elevates that premise without, without betraying the, the, the general premise of the original film. It builds on that and, and I think pushes Ash in an interesting direction psychologically, which I think is the mm-hmm. other thing about this movie that I find so interesting. In the first one, he's, and this is part of the reason why I, I still like to recognize the first one as canon, because I feel like this movie just, I feel like it just gives you the Cliff Notes version. If you didn't see the first one, this is general where, where we left him. Sure. And if you did see it, it still counts, just whatever. Because in the first movie, he starts very much a regular guy. And it's the 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 very basic horror premise of a group of young kids are heading off to the lake, cabin, the woods, etc. And, and it was such a progenitor for, for that in a lot of ways. Obviously, Texas Chainsaw Massacre came before it. But yeah. it was it was really bringing the the cabin part of it into the into the forefront of horror. So he Ash starts in the as in that film as being 
a more of a regular guy. And then in this one, by the end, he's like full on like cartoon action hero. Yeah. Uh, what, <laughs> what do you think about Ash's evolution from the first to the second to the third film? Because I feel like it's this wacky journey that he's gone on. And my favorite section of this movie is that like basically Ash going mad portion is, is I think sure. one of my sweet spots of this film. Yeah, part of me like thinks that that all just revealed itself as they were filming and finding out just how fun Bruce Campbell is to watch. And so that's the direction it went. But I have a feeling that Sam Raimi knew that going in because they were friends and everything right from those initial shorts and everything. And so I, I have a feeling he already knew like this guy is just going to be so much fun to watch. We've got to just center the camera on him and just make stuff happen to him and watch him react to it and just see how he survives. Obviously, it's scripted and everything, but see how his actual reactions will work into the character. And he's just the best. Like, Bruce Campbell is such a fun person to watch on screen, even in other... B movies that don't quite work as well as the Evil Dead movies, it's still just a joy to watch him. And I think that that all just works together with with the writing and just the these really ridiculous over the top predicaments that Sam Raimi and 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 his brother they get they get Bruce Campbell into in these movies. I know now he's officially retired from from playing Ash, but it's watching it this time, the trilogy. It's I just I I was marveling at just the the wild shit they make him do in these movies. And you're just like, wow, (laughs) poor Bruce Gamble. Like, I'm sure this was fun to make, but it's also like they're his friends putting him through the ringer at certain points, getting blood like 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 blasted into his face and. And I think just from the filmmaking perspective, you can see how Sam Raimi really ups his game here. Just early on, you have that that scene where Ash is outrunning the evil throughout the whole cabin. And I was like, oh my mm-hmm. God, I forgot how wildly ambitious this thing was for its time, especially by just that that technique of just zooming the camera through the woods has become so iconic. Uh, oh, what yeah. do you think about Sam Raimi as a, as a filmmaker and how he steps up his his game from the first film to the second film? Part, part of what I think makes these movies so great, and certainly not everybody you know shares my optimism for them, but I think that these movies just look incredible. And I, I feel like every shot in, in this one particular is, is practically iconic. They look incredible, the, the production design, especially considering the low budget, but I mean, not even considering the low budget they just straight up look amazing all of these shots and i think that whole like diy aesthetic can it can yield results like this but it doesn't really do that very often and i i think it just speaks to just how talented sam raimi is and the the people that he has brought together the people that he's collaborating with because he's bringing in all these people who just clearly love what's happening on screen they just love making this stuff happen and i i just think that shows in in all three of these movies Mm -hmm. absolutely i I would even argue this is possibly his best movie period sam i would say i really love Mm spider-man but i would say it's between these two the evil dead 2 and spider-man 2 are just like him at the top of his game that that if someone asked me yeah sam raimi i know he's like if it was a young person and they're like he's who's this guy just doing the new doctor strange movie i'd be like oh right buddy sit down 
Um, <laughs> and I would hand them probably Evil Dead 2 and Spider-Man 2. Those would be like my two go-tos. I, I, I said two way too much in that sentence, and that was not intentional. <laughs> um, it's, it's sequels. What am I supposed to do? But yeah, I, do, you, do you agree with that? Do you think that this is not only the best of, the, of this franchise, but Sam Raimi's best overall? Oh yeah, I, I would have to say so. I, I he does have some other great movies, a simple plan, and, and I love Drag Me to Hell, which you know, revisited this horror comedy For sure. um, thing. But and the Spider-Man movies, his ones are some of the best of like the early years of of that particular era of superhero movie. But uh, yeah, Evil Dead Two specifically, but this this trilogy is just uh, that's what I'm always going to associate with Sam Raimi. Absolutely. I want to get into the the way that the story in this film progresses past the first Evil Dead, but particularly one of the things that from the early part of the film that I really love is, well, one, obviously it it continues the same shot of Ash getting taken over by by the evil, Ash Mm -hmm. becoming a deadite, a term which is not used, I think, until the very last scene of this film, actually, for the first time. So we get our first brush with bad Ash and that he returns later in this film. But my one of my favorite things is the the dance sequence with Linda outside in the woods and the the stop motion effects. Is there a particular just ridiculously over-the-top moment in this film that stands uh-huh. out to you because there are several for me. I think that's one, the the the, the deer head on the wall and everybody, all the, the cabin laughing with him. Is there a particular moment like that that stands out to you? I just wanted to make sure we cut out, covered the the Linda dance sequence outside because not only is it that, that beautiful stop motion animation that I miss so much in today's cinema, but it's also so like it's, I think it's not only when she dances with her head, but then when she jumps off into the distance, I'm like, oh, and fades uh, like goes off screen. Is there a moment like that that really stands out? Yeah. Well, but before I get to my moment, I just want to say about that dancing sequence. Aside from the stop motion, which is awesome, but the music from Joseph Laduca does an incredible score for this movie. But that music combined with the dance it's so cool but for me the one that that always stands out the most is when they're when they're trying to squeeze Henrietta back down into the fruit cellar yeah and they stomp it on her head and it makes her eyeball <laughs> pop out and it flies across the room into Bobby Joe's mouth is uh yeah. just incredible I don't know if you saw my letterbox re- review and I just rewatched this uh the other day but I said that that scene like makes me scream like I'm on a roller coaster every time I see it <laughs> I've seen it like a hundred times and it's just the best yeah, uh, and she swallows it too. I oh yes, yeah. <laughs> it's, just, it's just gone. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, and and Ted Raimi as Henrietta or Deadite Henrietta at least. Uh-huh. Uh huh. What a standout in this movie! Like so best much supporting fun. actor in a horror film. Jeez, for that oh, year, yeah. he he leans into it so, and he gets on some versions of of the the movie's title the the titular line of Dead by Dawn, right. uh, which is again such an iconic moment when they're going Dead by Dawn, Dead by Dawn. So good. great. I want to rewatch it right now as soon as we're done. Like it's. <laughs> This is something I said about the Chucky movies when I was talking about all of them, but I think it's even more true for the Evil Dead films. They go down so smooth. I watched, I think, two of, I think I watched the first and second back to back in the same night just because I was like, well, I need to watch these all for the podcast. Let's just blow through them. It's like nice. 80, 85, 90 minutes and you're, and there's so tightly constructed and and as we were saying, Sam Raimi's just filmmaking uh, verve and the energy that he brings to the screen. It's it's so cool. Yeah. Oh, that, yeah. The Henrietta is, it's a good call. Nice. So one thing here. So Ash obviously 
fights off the <laughs> fights it off. Get his hand goes bad. We have that whole sequence where he where he goes mad, where he's literally like screaming to talking to himself, screaming into the mirror, or whatever different things. Uh, I love all of that stuff. Then this hand goes bad. Then we lose the hand, and then I think that's when we get what, what felt to me like the birth of class, classic Ash, like the mm-hmm. one that everyone has action figures of. The who's laughing now with the cutting off of the hand. Would you mm-hmm. agree with that? That that's when like Ash has self actualized, self actualized. I guess. Yeah, I would say so. I would say that whole middle section of the movie, really. But yeah, specifically there, I think would be a good place that you could pinpoint it. And then he just gets crazier from there. Yeah, it's on the one hand, this, these movies are so light and ridiculous, but it's also like Raimi gives it gives his story enough time in the first one and the second one. Obviously, the third one's as comedic as this franchise ever gets to to recognize what he's been through. Going to the cabin, his, his friends all dying, having to kill his girlfriend and everything. He's losing his sister in the first, mm-hmm. that he's just broken mentally at that point. And, and it, it gives you a little bit of an emotional understanding of Ash, but also justifies why he's as wacky as he is. He's like, oh, this guy's not all there. Because he's because right. this is a phrase I used about Andy uh, Barkley from the Chucky movies. He's he's seen some shit. Ash yeah. has been through his stuff. And so if he needs to be a, a catchphrase in order to, to cope, that's just the right. way it's going to be. <laughs> Absolutely. And and the the series, Ash vs. Evil Dead, it's not perfect, but it is surprising how well they managed to continue to expand the character without it not being good, which it could have very easily not been good. But they, they really do get into some interesting extra pieces of, of his history and who he is. Yeah, I had a couple of notes in here where I mentioned Ash vs. Evil Dead. In, in here, he's the reluctant hero that he's forced to help them get rid of the evil. And mm-hmm. that's, again, that's the whole thing in Ash versus Evil Dead. Like he's the, he's the prophesied one as this movie sets up and then pays off in Army of Darkness. And then in this film, when, when Annie and what is it, Ed and Jake and Bobby Joe, I also listened to the, the musical soundtrack for Evil Dead, the stage nice. musical, which was, which has a whole song about good old reliable Jake. So that's how I remembered his name. I saw it <laughs> here in Vegas, actually. It was, it was really, fun. how was it? Yeah, I, I had a good time. I got covered in blood. I still have the shirt sitting in my closet somewhere. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, it was, it's, it was an interesting, quick aside. It, it was interesting to listen to that and notice which elements of which three films they crystallize together. Cause I think it's right. the, the story of the, the premise of the first one is what has endured because three out of the four evil dead movies are set in a cabin. And then in a the second one, it's really the character, like this version of Ash, the tone of comedy and horror that the balance that this movie strikes. And then the third one, it's just like the, the, the catchphrases. The third one is right. easily the most quotable and you could tell in that in that musical that they just had him do the boomstick thing, shop mm-hmm. smart, uh, shop S smart, so that you got real ugly, like all that stuff. Like basically everything Bruce Campbell says in the Army of Darkness, they squeeze <laughs> it into a different context to put in the musical, which I appreciated. Yeah, it's it's all such great one-liners. You got to use them. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But when when they all show up, uh, Annie obviously looking for her father and and well, her, her both of her parents, I guess. And uh, and they find Ash with the blood everywhere. It gives you that outside perspective of he looks like a it looks like he 
burst into this cabin and started murdering people, yeah. which again is, is a thing that, that the Ash versus Evil Dead show addresses. I think it's in season two, maybe where they, they call him Ashy Slashy because they right. all assume that he's like this notorious figure from his hometown that like killed his sister and murdered all his friends. And, and he knows what really happened, but he's only really gets to be a hero in these very small, intimate situations. So it's not like the spotlight's exactly on him. What did you, what do you think of that? Like that aspect of the character? He's a hero when people are around and then when they're not around, he's a buffoon. Right. Uh, and, and I love that this film sets that template. Right, absolutely. Because that that is what we love about him. That's another thing that makes these movies so great is that we, we don't really have horror heroes like throughout other horror movies like most of them are disposable if they if they do exist they eventually die off or they get replaced by a new main character or whatever as they're going through the different series it's something that we don't really get that much in horror movies and here we've got this guy ash who is not necessarily equipped to be dealing with any of this, but he's going to continue to survive because he is our hero and we love him and he's going to continue to be there. And that I really think that that is just uh, something that makes these movies so much fun to watch. Yeah. And it's why when everyone was clamoring for a sequel to Freddy versus Jason, which they never made, they did the comic mm -hmm. Freddy versus Jason versus Ash. Yeah. Because there aren't any, you're right there. There's that's true. There's not any horror action heroes out there really there's always final final girls usually yeah jamie are, lee curtis is uh, the closest thing and even she like i said like the she's not in all of them the series doesn't really revolve around her story at a certain point it eventually goes off in other directions and and then comes back of course and of course <laughs> but ash is evil dead and we're eventually we've got this new one coming uh next year i believe and so we're gonna get away from ash it's gotta happen but at least until this point yeah he he is he is our hero in this movie and i think yeah the, as the they seed in here a little bit more about making him a mythic figure with the prophecy mm -hmm. which which plays out later in the next movie like i said and i feel like i i don't this movie has that whole element of the sun driving the evil away which i don't think it's ever really touched on in other mm -hmm. films especially in army of darkness there's like the deadites are out in full in full sunlight so i almost in my head canon i don't know if this is this is not probably not what it is but i like to imagine that ash has like an ability like he can fight them off in a way that no one else can because i think he's one of the only characters we've seen like will the the evil out, out of him essentially you get in, in army of darkness sheila who's possessed and then after the evil's defeated she's fine but but yeah dude, what are your thoughts on on ash maybe maybe there is more to him than just the everyman obviously there is because he becomes this hero later on but mm -hmm. i feel like that's something like an innate ability within himself that maybe because he's a more flawed character and he like recognizes that side of himself he's more maybe he's more at peace with who he is and so he doesn't he's able to push evil I, i'm not sure i'm spitballing here but yeah that, that's really interesting. I, I I hadn't really thought of it in that way specifically that he like inherently has something that he even he doesn't realize, but it's there. And so it's being used whether he knows it or not. And I, I do think that's an interesting way to look at the character and especially through everything he's gone through. And it's one of the things that makes him so funny is that these deadites and, and things, they they come at people and just absolutely demolish them. 
But then when they come at Ash, they like, all they can do is start punching him or like, like scaring him or shaking him or just doing silly stuff to him where he's not ever hurt in any way, shape or form. And that's part of what makes him just so funny to watch. It's, it turns into slapstick and everybody else is just turned into a big ball of blood with their head flung off. Like, but it's just, it's maybe, maybe he's just, he's got some luck to him, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the most damage he takes is him his self-inflicted when he takes his yes. own hand. And if you, if you're looking at it, like these, these people walking into the cabin and discovering Ash, you're like, Oh my God, this guy's crazy. He cut his own hand off. What yeah. is happening? <laughs> Obviously we know that we know that he, his hand went bad as he says, but that's part of what this, this film brings so many hallmarks to the franchise, the groovy and the, the chainsaw hand and, and so many different parts of, of the, like I was saying, the mythos of this of the series is introduced. Here's where we first learn the the name of the professor, Professor Nobi, mm-hmm. and his family that were were working in this home in this cabin to decipher the Book of the Dead. We get like a brief flashbacks of his daughter helping him, and apparently all the stuff with the Nobis happened like in the last week. Which I don't know how I don't know if that fits exactly with the first one. But again, these, no this, idea. This, <laughs> These films, as we were saying, they evolve as they go along. The ending doesn't match with, with Army of Darkness really either, where he he's revered immediately. And, and in the next one, he starts out as a slave. Like that doesn't yeah. make any sense. But again, it's what it's, Sam Raimi's just like, cut me some slack, guys. I'm working. Yeah. Look at it. We got Bruce Campbell. We got the, the chainsaw hand. It's all good. And, and we're all like, fair enough. Um, yes, exactly. <laughs> essentially. <laughs> but it's part of the part of the, the fun of doing these mega series in a franchise is like, well, let's let's gently nitpick and let's point out, well, does it really make sense that Chucky's back again, which I've mentioned on seven episodes about how Chucky just keeps coming back. You, you already pointed out Bobby Joe and the uh, Henrietta I scene. The Mm -hmm. other thing, poor Bobby Joe has a very unfortunate incident out in the woods, um, which felt (laughs) like a, a callback to the first movie and what happens with Cheryl Sure. Uh, but way less intense. And I know, I don't know if you're aware of, but are you aware that there was a graphic, more graphic version of Bobby Joe's death? Yes. I don't know. Is it available on any of the DVDs? I I'm must, sure. I've seen it somewhere. I don't know where uh-huh. I've seen it, but I've seen it either on the internet or yeah, on, on some DVD or something. But yeah, so she gets in, in the finished version, she just gets, gets pulled towards the trees and supposedly, I guess, off screen slams into it and dies. Mm-hmm. But in the uh, in the in the original version that they cut, she gets pulled into it, and then like her legs, uh, one leg on opposite side of the tree, she like splits down the middle. Like when she's pulled the tree like through her body. Nice. Uh, so, which would have been cool to see. Not exactly the tone they were going for, or I guess not exactly what the studio would allow. Probably more mm-hmm. likely that because right. this was you know this was a, a a cult classic. The first one was, and this was a stepping up into uh, into more of more of the mainstream i don't i wouldn't say it was really mainstream at all until maybe army of darkness but uh, i guess that was one concession that Raimi felt he needed to make yeah i guess i guess he had to uh tone it down just the slightest bit even with all the other insane stuff and the like gallons and gallons of blood that's what drew 12 year old me in so much is just the amounts of blood which it's funny that i was on your mortal Kombat episode and now i'm doing an evil dead because <laughs> yeah. i must i must sound a like of a carnage maniac over here but. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to get you on here to talk about something very light and fluffy a minions movie or something sure yeah <laughs> <laughs> but the dead eyed blood in this movie 
movie is black. In the first one, it's more of a milky white. I, mm-hmm. I think uh, the black is probably less upsetting. I think it's less upsetting than the milky white fluid in the yeah, first movie. That stuff is disgusting. Absolutely. That was nasty. Yeah. And, and it's funny too, because of these, of this trilogy, we're talking about how violent and over the top and grab, like whatever they are. I really feel the first one is the only one. Like I like horror movies, but I, if it's so intense, I might be turned off by it. The first one's maybe the only one where I get that like, oh God, gross. Like that thing to that extent, like evil. Sure. I think that's part of why Evil Dead 2 and Army of Darkness are more rewatchable because mm-hmm. they they have horror elements and it's it's gross in moments, et cetera. But it's never so much that it would alienate people that are there more for the comedy than the horror. Yeah. Uh, do you do you think that that's part of why maybe those movies have endured a little more, or why do you think Ash versus Evil Dead is is the the standout of the three? Yeah, I think that that the the second two movies they take that horror and make something fun and funny and just ridiculous out of it, and that's what makes it so much fun to watch and so rewatchable. I would even say the reboot or remake, whatever, um, from Fetty Alvarez. Uh, is great it's probably the best horror remake ever like of any remake Mm. like it's so good it's so crazy how good it is but i haven't watched it since the theater because like you said like i'm not really interested in re-watching actually scary horror movies like i I want a movie (laughs) that's just crazy over the top and ridiculous and fun and I happen to find over-the-top gore uh, really fun to watch. It's really inventive. It's creative. It's funny. It's ridiculous. And that, combined with a character like Ash, makes the second two movies so much fun to rewatch over and over again. As of this recording, like I said, I watched the first two back-to-back. I watched Army of Darkness like the, the next day, I think. As of this recording, I still haven't watched the 2013 one yet because I'm, I think I'm putting it off in part because I'm like... Oh man, that's a lot. I need to oh. mentally prepare myself because I agree with you. Like, yeah, it's it's not one I've watched often. I own mm-hmm. all the movies. I have the the 2013 on Blu-ray, and I've watched it maybe twice. Whereas the other ones, I've I had Evil Dead Two on DVD, and I've since upgraded it to Blu-ray. So mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, it's it. I totally feel you there. It's. I, I'm not, I don't really want to be, I don't want to be literally traumatized. I just want to see some yeah. gross stuff and be like, whoa, how'd they do that? That's nasty. Exactly. And then, exactly. yeah. <laughs> um, so we get, we get, let's see, I'm trying to think what I haven't talked about here yet. We get some really cool comedic moments, I think, too, trying to going with that. That's a good Ash, bad Ash dynamic within him, I guess. We get that, that scene with Annie where he's, he goes bad again, which is really funny. And mm-hmm. then she's like trying to kill him. And he has that moment where he's like, I'm all right now, uh, it, which I, which I really love. Oh, is there, yeah. is there, is there any moment in this film that you think like drastic, any big swings that this movie takes from the first one that the, other than I, other here's the, here's the caveats other than the time travel that happens at the end. <laughs> Which is a huge one because apparently the Book of the Dead is also the Tesseract from the Marvel movies, which who does whatever thought? it needs to be. Like, <laughs> exactly. <yeah. laughs> exactly. The Book of the Dead, like literally the only things that are common are don't read it. You'll bring the, bring this evil back. And it's inked in blood, bound in human flesh. 
I feel mm. like it's what the name they call it changes a couple of times. It's it's a different name in the first movie. And then here it's they, they really settle on calling it the Necronomicon. And other than that, it's yeah, it is exactly it's it's the uh, it's the MacGuffin of these movies. Basically, yeah. we also get Professor Nobi's ghosts showing up, which yeah. I, I want to see more more ghosts in these movies. They, they don't Absolutely. have enough of that. Doesn't he have like um, uh, those like mutton chops? Like is <laughs> yeah, I think so. The, the, I think the, he the, does. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I was just gonna say two two scenes specifically. Well, it really is one scene and then just uh, a performance, I guess you would say. The scene I wanted to point out as being particularly funny is when the Deadite Linda is saying, even now we have your darling Linda's soul. She suffers in torment. And then Ash says, you're going down. That is just one of the best line readings like ever. It's just the way he says it is so funny. And I think it's just like a perfect distillation of of his character and just how goofy he is he's goofy but he is trying his best to step up to what this crazy situation he's been put into is so i love that and then the other thing i wanted to point out speaking of like funny things we already talked about him a little bit but ted Raimi again is henrietta really just relishing in every scene he gets let's head down fruit cellar and carve ourselves a witch and then it pans down to him just laughing as an evil henrietta (laughs) So funny. Um, there's a moment where he does a Hulk Hogan thing after after Ash knocks uh, knocks her down, and she gets up and she's like, and shaking her hands. Um, <laughs> that that is hilarious. Yeah. He is just having so much fun in that character, and it's it's just such a great character. In particular, the someone's in my fruit cellar. Oh yeah, so <laughs> someone great. with a fresh soul. Again, yeah, by the way. If this movie wasn't so funny, that would be freaking horrifying. It really would. (laughs) Yeah. I think the Henrietta stuff is the scariest element of this movie. The fact that he's in there with her and doesn't realize it until it's too late thing. But yeah, because Ted Raimi hams it up, it again, perfectly toes that line between the two where you're like, I'm scared, but also look at this. Look look, look at this. Look at this character. What is happening? I love it. Yeah. So great. One thing I noticed here that I'm like, I could have done without that particular thing is just the way Bruce Campbell plays the the early scene with Linda. It, it, he plays it already goofy, whereas, like I said, in the first one, he is more of a, an everyman and they're all just like college kids going on. A, and then by the time Army of Darkness, Bruce Campbell's like 30, but whatever, again. You just gotta, you gotta, you gotta cut it some slack. It just took like five years to make each of these movies where he says, Hey, he's like, what do you say? We have some champagne, huh, baby? Like he's already like camping it up a little bit. And I feel like it's almost like it reminded me of the shining, how Stephen King was like, you can't put Jack Nicholson in that role. He looks like a crazy person before he goes crazy. Uh, you know, I think maybe they didn't have the confidence yet like in the first one for for Bruce to just go for it and be himself and I just think that's just who he is that's Bruce Campbell and they're like just letting him be that in the character of Ash so that's why he's so silly in that opening I think you're right I I just personally like the evolution of from the Ash in, in the first movie to this is my boomstick hail to the king baby and all that yeah. stuff because uh, I I love <laughs> it is quite I love the evolution wow right it's that's it's part of why I I would ne- I would never take the time to do this because I I have too many things going on. But I like I would love to see someone do a a super cut of uh, probably someone has of this trilogy. Like make I'm it sure. a one like Zack Snyder's Justice League style four hour movie where you cut out the, the stuff that's redundant and you have just stay with Ash the whole time. They literally begin and end on almost the same moments too. So you could easily do that. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that would be awesome. I, I, I would watch that every year for the rest of my life, probably. <laughs> <laughs> same, same. Let's see. Before we start moving on to other things, is there anything about any moments in Ash vs. Evil Dead you wanted to to touch on before we speak on the franchise as a whole and its legacy? All that in in the series in the Ash vs. Evil Dead series. Well, no, Evil Dead, the Evil Dead Two. Sorry, I think I'm. Oh, okay. Okay. I'm just trying to think if there's any others. Oh, the the only other scene that I would like think is worth like just taking a second to talk about is the whole workshed sequence, which yes. is I think from beginning to ends an absolutely perfect scene. It's got it's got the slapstick, it's got the the horror comedy, it's got genuine horror, it's got like drama between the two of them. It's acted amazingly, scored perfectly. It's shot really great. It's just, it's everything in that that whole sequence. And the gore of it is just fantastic too. And I love the the Deadites main weapon is that they psychologically torment you by doing that constant fake out. Yes. I, I love that, that they're just manipulative little fucks and every two seconds they get they're just like no i'm totally fine i'm like you're a severed head in a vice <laughs> you're not fine none of this is fine yeah there's uh, no way you're gonna trick answer. anyone <laughs> yeah exactly at that point it's not happening anymore it's so i love that they keep doing it and ash a lot of, a lot of the times falls for it and i, I think that's that's again says uh, how how gullible he is when he's not in action hero mode how he's how he's such a, a goofball in, in, in a lot of ways. And we love him Absolutely. for that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah. So moving on, what do you think is, what is the legacy of the Evil Dead franchise? I know this is a huge franchise for you. What does it contribute to cinema, the genre, et cetera? I think the two things, well, really three things, because I guess Bruce Campbell specifically would be the third thing. But I, I'll stick to the the two, though. Number one is horror comedy. I, I just don't think the genre exists. Like, of course, there were horror comedies before the Evil Dead series, but it it really, I think that this is the gold standard for what horror, <clears throat> what horror comedy is and what it has been for the last 20, 30 years. I think every you know, filmmaker who's tried to make a horror comedy. This is a blueprint. But aside from that, the other thing that I think that this movie kind of has as a legacy is that DIY aesthetic, which Sam Raimi is just, he's, he's the best when it comes to that. I, I think that his try anything and get together a group of people who just truly love making movies. I think any like small independent thing, especially in the world of horror, just owes a great debt to people like Sam Raimi doing it this way and just doing what they want to do and things that just maybe make them laugh or excite them, but aren't things that traditionally work in the world of movies. And it turns out that there's all these other people out there that also love it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I think it's a testament to how much they nailed the horror comedy though here that they really leaned into the comedy in the third one. And then with the, with the, the next installment, they just, all right, we're just going to go back straight to horror. Cause I don't know if we can, I, like, I feel like even Raimi and, and Campbell know that it's like, it's hard to, it would be hard for them to top this movie in this exact tone. Yeah. I, I think Ash for Evil Dead, what works because it's so much time has passed and now it's like much older Ash trying to get it, get back into fighting deadites and, and it ex expands the mythos in a lot of other interesting ways. 
too, but it, it doesn't, it feels like it coexists with this movie and with the other ones, but it also feels like its own thing. Like it, it, it they feel like they're, that it's telling that Evil Dead Rise, the new one that's supposed to come out, sounds like it's again, a straight horror movie, not really leaning into the comedy aspect of it at all. Yeah, yeah, because who can do it like Bruce Campbell? I'm sure it'll have its funny moments, but Bruce Campbell is why these movies are so funny. And so if you don't have Bruce Campbell in there, it, it might as well lean into the other things that make Evil Dead what Evil Dead is. Yeah. So so as an Evil Dead fan, are you what are your thoughts on the the new one coming up? The fact that it doesn't involve Ash. It doesn't even involve Jane Levy's Mia from from the remake boot, whatever. Are you still looking forward to it? Like, do you have, are you like, are you being cautiously optimistic? What are your, what's your vibes for the new one? I do wish that they had continued the Jane Levy story. I, I think that that would have been the right way to go. But that being said, I'm hopeful. You know, Bruce and I believe Sam also are, are producers on it. So I know Bruce is, but um I, I would hope that they're giving their input into what it's going to turn into. And the director, I know, has one or two well-regarded films. And so, yeah, I, I'm definitely hopeful. I, I I, don't go into it with any like, oh, they're going to ruin my childhood. Evil Ted movies yeah. are what they are. And it, it it's a fun world to to try to do something in and it'll be interesting to see what balance they they try to bring to it like you were just saying if it's going to go straight horror or it's going to be more into the comedy realm obviously the reboot stuck mostly to straight horror but yeah I, i'm 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 excited to see what happens yeah likewise likewise i think like you said it's an interesting world uh, I don't know if it's going to involve multiple books. Are they going to try and have these all coexist? Does Ash, Mia, and you know the, the characters in the new film are they all in the same space, happening at you know different times? Like, what's the deal there? I would be. I would like. I guess I would like a little clarification on that because I'm going to do an mm -hmm. episode on the 2013 movie, and I'm like, is it a remake? Is it a reboot? It's possibly, right. maybe. I don't yeah. know. It, but it, it sounds like they're definitely not going straight remake route with any of these. Like, they're not casting. Zac Efron as Ash or something. You know what I mean? They're not sure. I don't know why Zac Efron is the one that popped in my head, but <laughs> it's, a, it's an interesting but, choice. I do like Zac Efron, <laughs> but, but like, but like, you know what I mean? Like let Ash be, be Bruce Campbell. We don't, we don't need to do that same character. Just I, keep the I premise completely the agree. And, yeah. yeah. That is the number one thing they could do whatever the hell they want. As long as they don't recast Bruce Campbell, that that's the right. one thing they can't do. Make it, make a whole new chosen one. I don't care, but it, can't be ash yeah maybe we could get i'm i'm still like i would still like uh i don't know like an animated movie with ash and bruce campbell voicing him like give me that give me an animated version of that freddie versus jason versus ash get robert england and bruce campbell involved i don't see why we can't do that these guys are yeah. are older and maybe tired of playing these characters but how long does that take like a couple of weeks in a, yeah in they're doing that like, new video game they're doing the yeah, video game so. so i don't see why not that, that's what I, that's my, one of my like dream projects, if, if anything from, for us, I'm fans of, I'm a big fan of the Elm Street stuff. And I'm sure that we're going to do that, those fran that franchise at some point, but yeah, so that's, that's what I like to see. But, but David, we've reached the point of the episode where I'm going to ask you for your ranking. I know this is very easy for you to pick your, your number <laughs> one, but how would you rank these, uh, the four Evil Dead movies from, uh, from worst to best, best to worst, whichever. Yeah, I, First of all, none of them are worse because they're they're all great. But I I would have to the reboot's got to go at the bottom even though it's great. It's it's just is what it is. I uh, I would probably then go 1 Army of Darkness and then 2 
as yeah. the as my favorite. Evil Dead One, the Evil Dead is amazing, absolutely amazing. But my I've watched Evil Dead Two and Army of Darkness probably a hundred times each. So I those are of course at the top for me. Yeah, yeah, we covered why the, those are those are definitely the most rewatchable. I would say for yeah. sure. And it's it's part of the imagination involved in in the second one and the comedy involved in the third one. Like who would the unpredictability of this franchise? The, the going from the first one to the second one. Like okay, he's still in the cabin, and then it's really the genre shift that happens. But then him falling through a time travel portal to like the Middle Ages and ending up as this this prophesied hero from the past that that liberates a kingdom. From the dead, it's like who the hell would have saw that coming? I sometimes wonder about that. I seriously sit and wonder about that. Like imagining what it would have been like to have been, I don't know, like 20 or something in 1987 and seeing Evil Dead 2 and just waiting for Army of Darkness and like seeing them in order that way. And like it must have just been like as a fan, if you were that big of a fan of the movies as I am now, like what it must have been like for that progression to happen. Yeah. Yeah, like I, I, I feel like maybe that's part of why the people that are into these movies are so passionate about them because they take so many weird turns along the way that unless you're really into it, it shakes off a lot of the outliers. Mm-hmm. But if you're so invested in Ash and in the story and in Sam Raimi's filmmaking, you're hanging on for dear life no matter where he's, he's taking you. I think sure. that might be part of why the evil dead as a brand has been such a cornerstone for so many people for so long is that it Absolutely. is very, very idiosyncratic. Yeah. Cool. Well, that's all I have. Is, is anything else about evil dead too? I think, I think we've did a pretty good job covering this. It's, it's eminently fun movie. One in which, like I said, I just watched a week or so ago for this episode and could put that on in the background while I do something like return some emails or whatever, but this has been a blast. David Rosen, thank you so much for coming on the show and bringing one of your, your getting the chance to talk about one of your favorite movies in the process. Yeah. Tell people again where they can find you and piecing it together on social media. Absolutely. Thanks again so much for having me on. And uh, yeah, people can find Piecing It Together wherever they listen to podcasts and follow us on social media at PiecingPod. And uh, yeah, hopefully uh, we will get you back on a Piecing It Together sometime soon. Absolutely. Absolutely. Just let me know. We'll, we'll make it happen. Big thanks to David Rosen from Piecing It Together for coming on to talk about 1987's Evil Dead 2. I know this is a favorite for a lot of fans of this franchise. We'll see how it fares at the end of this mega series. see if our guests agree with that more or less popular opinion. I don't know. There's defenders for all four of these films out there. But we're going to keep moving along with Army of Darkness on our next episodes for Stick Around for that. But I want to know what's your favorite one of this, these films. Let me know on Twitter at Crooked Table, same handle on Instagram, or via email at robert at crookedtable.com. For now, that's a wrap on another Crooked Table production. Stay crooked, everyone. This has been a production of crookedtable.com. All rights reserved. Z-R-O-O-K-E-D. <laughs> <laughs>